Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber. Today I'm joined by Logan and John, and today is episode 46. We're going to be talking about the do's and don'ts of copying furniture and projects that you find in other sources. So I hope that uh, you can find something enjoyable about this show, and let's get started. This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects, and jigs, and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com. All right, so here's where this came from, is uh, I've had, I've built projects for friends and family based mm -hmm. off of a photo that gets texted to me or emailed to me with the question, hey, can you build this? <laughs> and I mean, the answer is always yes. The Yeah. Yes, I can. And it is kind of funny, the more experience I have in woodworking or the more skilled I've become over time is how much easier it is for me to say, yeah, yeah, I can make that. Uh, so what it comes down to then is where do you guys fall in making copies of something that you see and uh, other from other retailers or something that you see from the Pinterests or something like that? Well, it's just, first off, we don't use the term make copies. We make reproductions. <laughs> Personal interpretation. Yes. <laughs> No, I mean, this is interesting because I think you're right, Phil. I think everybody that's a woodworker at some point gets texted a photo. Hey, can you make this for me? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I could, but there's a couple things I might change about it. And I guess that's where most of my mm -hmm. stuff falls. Um, sure. So a lot of the a lot of the furniture I've built for myself, uh, the dining room table I'm working on right now is all based on Thomas Mosier designs. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, which in of itself, the Thomas Mosier designs are all based on other designs, right? Sure. Like, I mean, they've had several original lines mm -hmm. that their own designers have come up with. but They have, but but many of them are shaker cop, shaker reproductions or yeah. shaker interpretations. Reproductions. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, when it comes to building something that is designed by let's say Thomas Mosier, just because that's the style that I like. And I found that that's a good style that my wife and I both agree on. Sure. Um, you know, I have no problem aiming for an exact reproduction, but maybe with a couple changes process wise sure. or construction wise, you know, um, for example, this, uh, this boat side table I'm making based on the Thomas Mosier boat side table is, um, theirs, I believe are all steam lamination or steam bending. Uh, so their, their rails or their, their aprons for the table are steam bent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have, they're, they're set up to do steam bending on a large production scale. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to build a 98 inch long steam bending chamber just to bend the rails. On this <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to do bent laminations and okay. you know, they, they have, I'm sure they have the, the sleds already set up to cut tenons on the ends of those bent aprons. Right. I'm or they're CNC'd. Or they're CNC'd, yeah. 
I'm not going to. I'm going to use loose tenons because that's way easier, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, as far as I like to take the design aspects of it and Thomas Mosier has released um, measured shop drawing books uh, sure. in the past. And I have one of those. It doesn't happen to have the table that I am reproducing, but I, I would like to think that they released those for this very reason. Sure. You know, for, for crafts people to take inspiration and take design from it and build it. Now, I'm not in the position, nor will I ever think I'll be in the position to spend $6,000 on a dining room table like this Thomas Mosier one is. Yeah. So I have the skill and the ability to make something that is based on that. And whenever somebody comes to my house, I'm going to say, yeah, it's based on a Thomas Mosier design. You know, I have no problem saying that. And, you know, I hope that at least gives uh, the, the folks over at Thomas Mosier some form of credit. Right. Right. Um, but I'll make the process my own. I guess that's, that's where, mm -hmm. that's where my, uh, distinction comes in as far as taking inspiration from a design and building it. I will take some liberties and the process will be my own. Sure. So, yeah, I think part of that, uh, taking, you know, other people's designs or something that's widely out there, it's the easiest way to. I guess, communicate with non woodworkers, whether it's a spouse or whoever you're building this for to like show them or them to get you the ideas or you to show them, you know, kind of ideas without fully drawing up a piece of furniture and then like, oh no, that's not it. And you drop something else. So it's just easy to, you know, hop on Google or hop on, you know, these other re retailers where they can find something. Oh, I kind of like that. And you can take, you know, several different, design ideas or finishing or, you know, and, and quickly, you know, communicate what they're looking for or what you can do and that type of thing. So it's just the fastest way to get there, I think. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think we're also looking at it from the perspective of in general hobbyist woodworkers, you know, none of us are looking to, rip off somebody's design to yeah. sell it commercially on a, right. on any kind of scale. You know, if I'm building something for friends and family, uh, I'll charge them kind of like the cost of materials and maybe a little bit for time and wear and tear on tooling or something like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's not like I'm going into business as a, you know, a copy thing, spelling it Thomas Mosier with two O's or something like that. And it's called Tomas Mosier. <laughs> it's Thomas the French Mo version. Tommy Mooser. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy Mooser. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I think it's, it's interesting because in the world of woodworking, there is very, very few designs or ideas that have not been produced at some point. Right? right. It's very rare to have a unique design. Like something yeah. has an influence somewhere, always does. Right. Sure. So, you know, this kind of leans heavily into the subject of, um, oh, what do they call it when it's intellectual property? Right. Right. And, and I get that in the sense of if you have something very, uh, very signature of your style and somebody starts, 
ripping it off and producing it and selling it, that's where I think you start to get into some, you know, some right. legally you know, shady areas. Yeah. 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 Whether, whether somebody yeah. wants to pursue it or not, you know, that's up to them, but yeah. And it's funny. There was actually a, uh, there's a, a Turner, um, her name's Rebecca DeGroot. She just talked about this, um, on one of her podcasts, um, uh, because she has a very, uh, a very cool style that she does turnings where she's very like, uh, Oh man, who's the, who's the guy that did the nightmare before Christmas? Um, Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Yeah. She, her turnings are very like Tim Burton, like, like they're, mm. she puts big like spider legs on them and stuff. It's very cool. And it's, you see something you're like, Oh, that's, that's Rebecca. Cause I know that is just cause that's her style. And she yeah. just talked about this because I think she had ran into where people wow. were using designs that were, very very similar to hers and i think they were like selling them or mass producing them um and i could be i could be wrong i didn't listen to the entire podcast but you know you get into some areas like that uh, but i think for the most part the type of stuff we are we being us three are uh producing at it's for friends or family and you know we're not we're not selling furniture that is a thomas Mosier ripoff you know what i mean right yeah yeah, and I'm not claiming it to be a Mosher no. piece when I go to, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Sell it's it. just, yeah. hey, what do you think of this? Does this match what you're looking for? Or yeah, how about we exactly. start with this, and then instead I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing that alter that look to it. Yeah. Well, you know, and one of the uh, – another piece that I – the most recent piece I built and sold, and it was built as a commission piece, was that was that poker table. Right. And it was it was loosely designed on a poker table base. The the base itself, the the top, I think we kind of just cobbled that together from our own minds. The base was um, designed. The base was based on a uh, a poker table base that we had saw for a round table. Oh, okay. But it's like, hey, if we take that same you know organic flu flowing shape and just stretch it out. You know, that might work really well. Uh, So it was, you know, taking inspiration from that and stretching it to fit what we were doing, which was a four by eight table instead of a round table. Um, Right. So, you know, I have no problem doing something like that. But, yeah. You know, know, and then that always comes up as, you know, as a side semi-related topic to that is, you know, we'll get questions periodically on somebody seeing a project in the magazine. Hey, I really like your bookcase. Do you mind if I, or what's the permissions around making that and selling it? You know, when it comes to the magazine, you know, what's protected is our words and our artwork. So if you're going to make the design and sell it, totally legit. Go right ahead, knock yourself out. Good luck with it. But, you know, just don't use our photography, our artwork, or our, you know, copying our art or our words from it, mm-hmm. you know, but the end result of it or the, you know, the buildings of it, you know, make your own drawings, you know, if you're going to use that as a sales piece, but then just, you know, go right ahead. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, thinking about it, like I said before, everything's been built to some degree at some point anyways right so you know claiming intellectual property on a bird cliff linen press for example 
just randomly just, off, the top I mean, of just off the top of my head and saying that you know oh because i built a brickliff linen press i'm copying this that or another thing well no uh, i mean potentially i'm making reproduction of the original brickliff linen press you know yeah so uh, which was a piece that is in the metropolitan you know i mean it's it's one of those things mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's kind of, you know, just because of the age that we live in, it's just really, it's a lot easier to find inspiration from a wide variety of styles, you know, and mm-hmm. we're a visual people. So we're going to communicate with each other in an easy way of pictures and things that we like. And, you know, and I think most woodworkers are going to make modifications anyway, whether it's. Oh, yeah. You know, this table is way too big to fit in my dining room. So I need to shrink it down this way and that way. Or um, I hate working with walnut because the dust just gets in my mouth. And Mm -hmm. so I'm John Doyle. So I'm going to make it out of flats on red oak or something like that, you know. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and so on this, like, let's piggyback on that. When you because I know what my process is when somebody shows you a photo of something, uh-huh. how do you go about this coming up with proportions and scales and sizes? Hmm. Um, Look at ever other things in the photo yeah. and try, like of known size. <laughs> and try to okay. Measure up. I'm trying to think of like when people send in photos for uh, like the reader's tips and like there's no measurements right, or yeah. like, okay, well I can see it's on a table saw and the blade is this big. So comparing it to that or, yeah, you know, or known heights of things sure. like if it's a cart next to a table saw yeah. or drill press or, you know, you can kind of scale things off of it or, you know, most tables or nightstands or bed, they have standard proportions. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh you know, that you can kind of base things off of and then adjust to your needs, I guess. So that's how I go about doing it anyways. Yeah. That's usually what I do too. Cause I, you know, I, uh, my sister-in-law asked me to build her a serving tray based on a photo that she saw. And, um, there was, it was just, I don't know if it was off of Pinterest or wherever, where it just was a photo. There was no link back to anything where it came from. So the serving tray was sitting on a, like a cushioned stool or ottoman sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to go based off of that. And then I was talking to her when she said, you know, it's, you know, about like shoulder width apart. So when you're carrying it, it's whatever. And so from there, I just, you know, started scaling things if you, uh, so that's usually how I do it. Or if you see, if it's something rather small, if somebody has their hand in there, then you can kind of base it off of, well, you know, it's as wide as the, you know, the base of your hand or something like that. Or, you know, it gets a little hairy in there sometimes, but. Mm-hmm. Sure. So my. Your hand. Yep. Right. <laughs> Well, not my hands exactly, but <laughs> so my my ghetto rigging usually has to do with this is why I enjoy building the Thomas Mosher inspired stuff, right? 
is because on their sail site, they give you dimensions. Right. Yep. So like this boat table, they give you the dimensions of the top. And then I usually will take a photo of it into Illustrator and then I will make a, a like aspect ratio. So I know that, you know, one inch on the photo is equal to 12 inches on the on the actual piece, which actually allows you to be to come down to very, very precise measurements on it, uh, which is really super cool. Now, a lot of it does follow standard design sizes, right? So right. this table, for example, is 30 inches to the top of the table. That's standard table, like 29 to 30, right? Yeah. Um, and the, the aprons on it are three and a half inches, which I think is a little on the big side for aprons, but based on all the other Thomas Mosier drawings that I actually have the book of, it's yeah. right, you know? So I was like, oh, this is super cool. I can actually get all my measurements that I need off of two different photos, you know, a, a end view and a side view. And that gives me everything I need uh, on yeah. this table, which was really cool to kind of work backwards through that process. Um, there was, I, I mean, I've already made a couple changes. The, uh, according to the, the photo I found and the, um, oh, the, the, measured shop drawing legs of other tables that are a similar style, the legs should go from two inches down to a one inch foot. So oh, okay. it tapers roughly an inch over 26 inches or something like that. And I felt like that left it a little dainty at the bottom. Right. And my kids are hellions. I don't <laughs> trust that they're not going to do something to it. So, so I actually went slightly thicker on the leg. I'm at two and a quarter instead of two and I tapered down to one and a quarter instead of one. So just giving it just a hair bigger proportion than what the original had. Yeah. Um, and again, this is one of those things that it's like, you know, this is a Thomas Mosher inspired piece. I'm not shooting for an exact reproduction of it. It'll be very close. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. But making a couple slight changes. Sure. But it's a military grade. It's, it's, it's <laughs> a military grade. <laughs> Yeah. It's hard. Well, well, you know, and I did the same thing, actually, uh, the sleigh bed that I built my wife and I, again, based off the Thomas Mosier one, I did the exact same thing. I felt like the, the, the proportions on the Thomas Mosier one were beautiful. They worked really well. I wanted just a little bit more military grade. So I went a little heavier on the proportions on the legs and it works great. Um, I mean, I proportionally made everything a little bit bigger, yeah. um, but I thought it worked awesome. So, yeah, it's funny you keep bringing up Thomas Mosier. I have a Stickley catalog like over my desk that it's like when I want to build something, it's like, oh, grab the Stickley catalog <laughs> yeah. and start flipping through it. And yeah, so it's it's the Stickley like, versus the uh, the Shaker. There you go. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you have the, you know, like the Shaker stuff, which is kind of like a stripped down federal look in yeah. a lot of their mm -hmm. appearances. And I've always found or thought that to me, a lot of that stuff looks spindly and delicate. Yeah. And, and you I know. think that's why I always tend to military grade some stuff on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be my new yeah. click phrase of the week. There we there go. go. Yeah. We'll see yeah. if we can get it trending. Yes. Military grades. It's way cooler than childproof. Yeah. <laughs> military grades, way cooler than childproof. Yeah, so. 
Well, but, but, you know, I, mean, I think like, you're right, Phil. I think it does. It looks it looks like spindly and dainty. It looks like it shouldn't. It looks like it should be in one of those houses that you don't really live in. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like it's like you know there ain't a kid running a Tonka truck into the leg yeah. of that thing. Yeah, you know. You go to the grand grandparents' house that have all the covers on the furniture. Yeah. And- so. You got to spend like twenty minutes prepping everybody before we go inside. Okay, you can't touch anything. Don't yep, exactly. just don't touch anything. Don't climb yep. on the stuff. Don't open the drawers. That's why we brought your own toys along. So you find an yep. open spot in the middle of the floor and you just stay right there. Exactly. Yep. So. so, but you know, on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of stickly pieces that I feel are too steroided, beefy. Yeah, you, know, you just want to you want to dial yeah. back the Barry Bonds a little bit. Just They're, yeah, bomb proof. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, but again, it's one of those things. If you're building it, change what you want. Change what you want. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that's that's what we tried to. I don't want to say we tried to beat it into people's heads this last TV se- season, but right. we did a little bit. It's like, hey, change stuff. We're giving yeah. you the starting point. You change what you right. want. You know, if yeah. you if you don't want to put your chisels in that roll top timbre case, you put something else in there, sir. Like you uh-huh. make that for whatever you want, or right. you know, <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, I, we. I think we've definitely tried to promote that of yeah. like in the magazine too. It's like people ask, you know, very specific of down to the stain color, what wood, or you know. All that stuff. It's yeah. just like we'd rather see what you come up with out of from our design. Yeah. And take so. confidence in having a starting point that you don't have to do all the inventing of the wheel on. You know, like Logan was yeah. saying earlier, you know, there are established standards for what's a comfortable table height for a dining room table. It's 29 yep. to 30 inches. So you don't have to figure that out. It's right there. You know, start with something else where you want to make a change on it or you know, whether it's a material choice or, you know, maybe you swap out the stretcher, you know, the aprons, instead of being one wide apron, maybe it's a widish one and a narrow one with a space in between, you know? Yep. Mix it up. Yeah. It's funny that you say we did the heavy lifting with like the standard 29 to 30 inch table height. There are things though, I think that you should take um, take some confidence in, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but like <laughs> I, I, I cut these legs, right? So my legs for the table are done. They're cut to length. And I, I, I walked in and sat them down next to our current table, which is like a counter or bar height table. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, the table's so short. Like that's <laughs> not the right height. It's so short. But I'm like, We've built tables like this before. Cool. I have built tables. I've built dining tables that are 29 uh-huh. or 30 inches. Yep. Yeah, I have confidence mm-hmm. that it's the right size. Yeah. So it's like, oh my God, I just made this thing way too short. Yeah. I always find that uh, furniture projects that I'm building in the shop have a totally different scale in the shop than when you finally bring them in the house. You know, I did a, yep. a small bookcase recently and I was trying to make it short enough to kind of tuck under another table in our house. And I was building, I'm like, this just does not seem right. You know? So I measured the bookcase out in my shop, went inside and measured the table. This, all the numbers match up. I don't know why, you know, it's like my inches went to metric inches on the inside of the house or something that it just doesn't, 
you know, but then I finished it, brought it in. It was like, oh yeah, what do you know? It works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me a couple Christmases ago, building a treehouse loft for the (laughs) bed for the, for the kids. And it did have a totally different scale in the shop as it did in the house. Yeah. Cause I was assuming eight foot ceilings and they were like seven foot, eight inches. Yeah. Which you're like, (laughs) so it's what four inches. That's not a big deal. Right. Right. You left plenty of room in there, right? Yeah. Right. Just cut a hole in the ceiling. Yeah. Poke it through. So what if one of your kids has to kind of like army crawl into the bed or something, you know? Right. Yeah. So it happens. Uh That's funny. Assume nothing. (laughs) That's what I learned. Well, so it's funny because I always, I always, I don't know where I got this from. So I've built, um, I have built every one of the beds in our house. Okay. Uh, Between my son's loft bed, uh, the convertible crib to full size or twin bed, whatever size it is, um, our guest bedroom bed and my wife and I's bed. And I always, I can never remember what standard mattress sizes are. And then I always guess, I always second guess them. Like Uh if there's Mm -hmm. one measurement when I'm building something that I check a thousand times, it is like my, my Google search history is what's the size of a king bed? What's the size of a king bed? What's the size of a queen bed? I mean, it's like, (laughs) I just never, Mm -hmm. I can never, because that's last, that's the last thing you do, right? You bring the bed into the house and you put the mattress on. Yeah. Oh, that's a real kick in the shorts if that mattress doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did that a number of years ago. I made a bed for one of my kids. And in the process of making it, I did the same thing. Looked up the size of a twin mattress, you know, probably 4,800 times. And yeah. when I was building it, I'm like, you know, I think I'm just going to give myself just a little bit of room here. Cause I don't want to have to hammer the mattress into the frame, mm-hmm. you know, just so by the time all was said and done, got it into the house, dropped the mattress in there. And I had just inches on each side and it was like, <sighs> so apparently, you measured. so apparently I had, uh, solved for error probably two or three times in the building mm-hmm. of it. And solid. Yeah. yeah. I just, I laughed. So you had room for a, a California twin bed. <laughs> yeah. I think they're called. Well, you yes. know, I laugh at it because I did the same thing on the, uh, so I did the three in one convertible crib um, from Wood Magazine, actually. And I, the, the crib was fine. And I never, uh, I never changed it over to the toddler bed because I'm like, that's silly. If they can yeah. sleep in a toddler bed, they can sleep in a twin bed. Twin you know bed, what I yeah. mean? Like, I don't, I don't need to make another footboard for this thing. That's that's dumb. So yeah. I went from the 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 uh, crib to the full size or twin bed. I don't know whatever size it is. And I did the same thing. The, the width is fixed. Okay, I know the width is right because it fits the the mattress for the the twin or the the crib. I did it on the length. So I, and I've never cut down the rails. So it's like (laughs) the mattress is in there. And then there's like four pillows shoved between the mattress and the headboard. Mm -hmm. So my son doesn't fall down there. (laughs) It's like, it's like four inches too long. That's a feature because it holds all those throw pillows Mm -hmm. that, yeah, all the shams wise like to get. Yes. It's like, what else do you do with them? Right. Right. You You can't can't shove them them down in there. Storage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Don't dare put your head on yeah, them. It's a secret, com- <laughs> They're for it's show. a secret compartment back there now. Yeah. Uh, 
I just I have to laugh because I did the same thing with Batman. Mm-hmm. So we're filming this, and it's Thanksgiving week. It is, which means that uh, I am going to be delivering and unveiling several of my what we affectionately call Thanksmas gifts this year. Yep, or this week. So by the time this podcast comes out, I will have made the final reveal to people. So I feel like I can share what some of my projects were for, for this Christmas or this okay. Thanksmas. So, mm-hmm. um, I showed before, uh, the shrink pot, birch shrink pot that I did. Mm-hmm. That one was going to my mother. So like okay. I said, it came from a tree in the yard of the house where I grew up. So my mom Has and dad, shrink? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I did use a, I, I didn't know how fast it would go. Yeah, no, it goes pretty quick. And I actually used Baltic birch plywood for the bottom. So I mean, it's birch, so yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, it's basically mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. So that was kind of nice. Um, and then also for my parents, I did a uh, bird feeder. We did a, mm-hmm. we did a, I don't know, over-the-top bird feeder for the TV show. Which, when I saw that project in the magazine from years and years ago, before I was at at Woodsmith, I was. It looked like a cool one, but the photos that we had of it were like, "Yeah, this is cool. It just seems like it's an over the top bird feeder. Why would you even want to do this?" Mm-hmm. But we picked it anyway, just to, you know. And it ended up, I think, turning out pretty pretty nicely because of the year that yeah. we're in, that people are home and birding has kind of taken off as a hobby. Um, but then we built it on the show and it was like, this actually goes together really quick for as in-depth or involved mm-hmm. as it seemed. So, so you have to I, cut all those shingles, right? Yeah. <laughs> Note to self order extra shingles. <laughs> yeah. And Chris Fitch's tip is buy the sheets of shingles, the not individual the individual ones. shingles. Yeah. So he wish could I have said that. that like weeks oh. beforehand. Huh? Right. Yeah. No, right. So anyway, it's a really, and it's got uh, copper wrapped around the roof panel. So that adds a little of a metallic and kind of some sheen in there and seeing it done. It's a really cool project and really is a weekend project in spite of what it looks like. And uh, just a lot of fun to do. So yeah, I think that was one that some of that white cedar I cut is going to get turned into. Yeah. I think that'll be a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the other one, the one that I had been, hiding for the most part was a a camp kitchen that I made for my sister. So she likes to go camping and uh, she does a lot of like outdoor activities in general, whether it's hiking or mountain biking or snow biking or whatever. So I wanted to have a camp kitchen. It was something that I saw was inspired from another of the woodworking magazines, which shall remain nameless for right now. So if you go to our, uh, show notes page at woodsmith.com slash podcasts. You can see the photos of it, but the camp kitchen that I did was made from Baltic birch and uh, features some cool handles that we got from Horton brasses. So thanks to mm-hmm. them. Um, They're super cool handles forged forged. So they have like in, they have like plus five cool factor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it turned out really cool. I painted it and that was the project where I had edge glued plywood, which again, mm-hmm. I'm standing by as a legit, a legit yeah. practice. 
Yep. That's fair. <laughs> I've already pre been pre-approved on the John Doyle seal of approval. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about it. So there's an opening at the top for a camp stove, like an old school Coleman stove. Uh, down mm-hmm. below, I instead of having just like a drop down or yeah, most of the traditional ones just have like a drop down or a removable panel on the front. I did two doors that open up and then had a larger compartment for storage and then a couple of trays and a shelf in there. So all in all, I think it turned out really cool. Yeah, I think that has inspired me to build one uh, for our, 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 our for our camper. Yeah, you know, it's I had never seen those before until you showed me the picture. I'm like, oh my god, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Because I've been <laughs> doing all of our cooking outside. It's like I don't yeah. want to stink up the camper, and why use my propane when I have the Coleman 428 yeah. camp stove? Right. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have a lot of fond memories of a camp, you know, camp stove cooking from my dad when we'd go camp tent camping, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's pancakes on a griddle in the morning or scrambled eggs or whatever. So burnt cinnamon rolls because I just did that. Yeah. So So, anyway, that was, I think think it turned out really cool. And I like the paint color choices that you made for it. Yeah. And see, and I was wondering, because a lot of them that I've seen, like the vintage ones are just, you know, fur plywood from, 75 years ago, which has kind of a cool factor to it, plus 75 years. But the Baltic birch plywood kind of had a mishmash of grain from gluing it up, you know. But So I went with some general finishes milk paints in kind of a color blocking scheme. I had a a light blue, a darker gray, and a light gray that I did on there. And I, I, I think it works really well. Yeah, I thought it turned out great. Like you said... I'm taking inspiration to build one when I have other projects done and out of the way. (laughs) Namely a certain dining room table. Yes. (laughs) So what do you guys got going on? Well, Logan, you have the dining room table. Yeah. And you know, I didn't get anything done on it this weekend. Um, I think I'll probably reserve some of that for the Thanksgiving holiday, which by the time this comes out, hopefully I have some, uh, Aprons glued up for it. Um, some vent lamination. Maybe I'll do a phone video of gluing those up because that's always fun to see. Yeah. Uh, but this weekend, I actually spent uh, time over in Cedar Rapids. Um, I know we've we've talked before about our derecho that came through and took down a bunch of trees in Cedar Rapids. And uh, part of one of those, well, not part, the whole tree, uh, an ash tree went down my grandpa's house. And I had talked about that. And uh, a byproduct of that is that uh, he, his house is deemed no longer fit for inhabitants by the oh. fire marshal because of the damage to the trusses. And we knew this, we've yeah. known this for months now. Right. Um, but now working through with insurance, uh, the entire, all the trusses need replaced because almost every truss has some form of crack in it. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't think about this, uh, until I was talking to my dad a couple of weeks ago, when you take the trusses off a house, that means all the ceiling in the house has to come out. All that drywall has to come out. Mm-hmm. That's a big project. You oh, know? Yeah. So yeah. our contractor that bid the repairs on my grandpa's house bid $145,000 to do the repairs on it. This is for a house that can't be worth much more than $170,000. It's a smaller house right. built in the 50s, right? Yeah. Uh, 
It's like, huh, at that point, don't you just like set a match and start over, you right. know? But yeah, that's the bid that I don't really want to do that project bid. No, I and mean, that's well, and <laughs> we, we've had we had three bids that were all around that price. Yeah. yeah. But because oh, it's a mess. I mean, it's just a huge mess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and uh, of It'd course, be easier starting from the ground up. It would be. And that's what I said. It's like it's easier because you think about all the wiring that's running through the trusses. And there's I mean, it's just it's a headache just to manage it. Oh, yeah. um, but regardless, uh, you know, a portion of this insurance bid was to uh, have somebody come in and I don't really it's like a pack remove and store. So everything that's in the house has to be packed up, yeah. removed from the house, and put into storage right. until six or eight months from now when the house is is done, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, in an effort to save my grandpa some money, uh, because he is now in a, like, assisted type living. I mean, he doesn't get around real well. So it's yeah. like he can't go into an apartment or anything. So he's in an assisted type living. Um, my dad and I are doing it. So I went and, and helped carry out all the stuff. Uh, and I brought stuff home with me. Oh, Lord, did I bring stuff home with me. <laughs> <laughs> I almost could not participate in this podcast because my wife was ready to wring my neck. Um, because this is my, a safe place here. I know, right? Well, so this is a hobby that this is a little more in-depth than I was planning on getting. But this is a hobby that I've had with my grandpa for, for as long as I can remember. My earliest memories with my grandpa were making fishing lures. Okay. Oh, okay. Like my grandpa and I, my grandpa used to take me out of school, like elementary school, three or four days a week. He would come and dismiss me out of class to go fishing. All my right. mom, I'm surprised my mom did not strangle him. But it would like I did it so much that we always called him grandpa and grandma paint jigs because that's what I did when I went over. I painted jigs with them, right? So my grandpa has, it's been, it's been a number of years since he's been able to go get out and go fishing, but he had so much lure making stuff and so much fishing stuff. And it, I was always told this is yours. When, when the time comes, it's yours. Yeah. I guess the time came. <laughs> so All right. I, I took my entire eight foot truck bed full of fishing stuff. And I left probably three more loads there that I'm going to have to go back and get. Oh my uh, goodness. Oh yeah, it's been fun. Well, and it's it's kind of been a walk down memory lane because um, a lot of the stuff stuff I I used you know thirty years ago when I was you know two three four years old you know I would I would sit down in the basement with my grandpa with the lead pot pouring lead sinkers and jigs and stuff, um, and he has I mean I have I'm sitting here looking at those little storage pullout. Oh, yeah, yeah. organizer things. I have five of those in my shop right now, full of fishing stuff. Um, so it's been a little interesting because I have no, I love fishing and I do a lot of fishing still. I have no interest in making jigs anymore because I have, I now have more jigs than I could use in 10 lifetimes. So, and right. I have no desire in to go into a jig making business, making jigs. But what interests me is making some crankbaits. Oh. kind of blending woodworking with the lure making. And there's a, there's a couple of guys I follow on YouTube. Um, one of which is Marlon Bates. He's actually in Cedar Rapids. Oh, okay. Uh, and he, he hand carves wooden crankbaits. So I'm getting this, these weird ideas in my head that, you know, like, you know what, maybe I'm going to use some of this stuff and make some wooden lures and stuff. And I just think it might, might be fun. So 
so yeah, I didn't I didn't get a whole lot of woodworking done this weekend. Uh, that is upcoming, but I'm hoping hoping that uh, maybe I'm setting the stage to do some very specialized woodworking here in the next year or so. So cool. Yeah. So if anybody that's listening needs some fishing stuff, you just let me know. You can send me an email. <laughs> part part of what I left there was probably, oh, I'm guessing probably close to 900 to 1,000 pounds of lead. Like, I'm thinking about just bringing it home and let my kids play with it. Sure. That's always a yeah. good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It makes great chew toys. And that's what I thought, yeah. I was like, hey. Teething and... You, your gums don't hurt anymore yeah. if you chew on it, right? Right. <laughs> right. So. John, you got anything going on? Oh, I've just been kind of dinking around in the shop, uh, working on some shop organization projects and that kind of thing. Nothing too exciting. Okay. So just hiding out, <laughs> getting away from the fan. <laughs> That's where we've come to in the pandemic. At first it was, yeah. hey, we're all home. We get more family time together. Now we're hiding out. Yeah. It's like, come out in the shop. Let's do something. Now it's like, I'm just going to go out there. Yeah. Don't come looking for I'm me. going to lock the door from yeah. this side. Sit in there and cry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So... All right. Yeah, this is usually the time of year that I'm like, I think it's the like long Thanksgiving weekend where I come up with some harebrained project or idea to get done before Christmas uh -huh. and start on it the first week of December and just yep. go nuts and regret it later. So we'll see what I come <laughs> up with maybe this weekend. I mean, you kind of so. did that with the outdoor playground, right? Yeah, all of that stuff between the the loft bed and the the jungle gym playhouse and the jungle gym and the how in the basement and mm -hmm. so. I mean, you're kind of running out of what. places for giant harebrained schemes. Right. Exactly. You so. know, I think you should go on YouTube and what's uh, who's the guy that uh, he makes all the weird like. Izzy Swan. Izzy Swan. Yes, thank okay. you. Yeah, yeah, I think you need to go get like some outdoor like down the road thing for the kids. Like, yeah, build something like that's some like, walking geared spider exactly. contraption that the kids are going down the road in. Yeah, I don't see what could go wrong. Yeah, right. Street legal. I mean, yeah, you have a kid that's like pretty much driving oh, age yeah. anyways. Like, screw a car. Yeah, yeah. cool kids. Right. Drive yeah. eight-legged walking plywood creations yeah. to school. Yeah, Bruce Bruce car. Yeah, yeah. It's some kind of anime <laughs> mech unit there that you just kind of—it's yeah. street legal because it's got turn signals on it, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Some reflectors on there, good to go. So okay. Tune in next time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. As a reminder, you can always catch the Shop Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or you can watch us on our YouTube channel and see some of the things that we're talking about. Also, don't forget to check out our show notes page where we'll show some other photos and links to some of the things that we find interesting around the woodworking interwebs. Uh, otherwise, thanks again for listening and please share the podcast with someone else that you know who would be interested in woodworking and learning about uh, the design process or building or just enjoy a little chit chat about one of your favorite hobbies. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and we'll see you next week on the Shop Notes Podcast. 
This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com.